Hello ladies and gentlemen, it is another episode of the Baggies Broadcast. My name is Luke Hatfield, it's season 4 episode 9 and I'm joined as ever uh, by a man who's been tweeting incessantly about one thing over the past 48 hours or so, maybe even longer than that. Uh, West Brom correspondent at the Express and Star Joe Massey. Joe, how are you? You made me laugh there, mate. You've gone straight in there, haven't you? You've gone straight in there. It's no what, messing about. It's what the people want. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I thought it would just be a nice little standard intro. <laughs> Your normal dreadful banter. Um, dreadful? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's dreadful. <laughs> um, yeah, mate, I've been tweeting a lot. Yeah, it's been been interesting little... I'm sure it's been quite an entertaining feed, actually, my, my Twitter. Um, is it a feed? It's a feed, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, Twitter feed. Yeah, um, on Twitter feed over the last uh, forty-eight hours, I've, um, I've come so close to tweeting. You know, you know, like a, a gif of just someone eating popcorn. I've been close. I've been close, mate. One person's already done that, actually. But there's no, there's no. I know people probably think there's animosity. There isn't. There isn't any animosity. It's just difference of opinion, perhaps, over this uh, Yasha Gee story. Gee, I understand is how you say a, a, a name. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll get into all that. Um, we definitely will. We definitely will. Um, first up, uh, how have you been? Have you been, watch- have you been watching England? Always, mate. Always watch England. You know that. What do you normally what, watch it twice? What, what have you made of them? Uh, oh, how, how good is Jack Grealish, by the way? Yeah, he is. I mean, he, he was absolutely fantastic yesterday. There's no. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'll let you have that. <laughs> Move one. on I'll quickly. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. You know, England are my passion. I love them. I'm huge, huge. I love Gareth Southgate. I've got to be honest, I'm not sure about this 3 4 3 system, which breaks my heart. Um, I think he probably needs to go 4 3 3 or 3 5 2. I just don't get 3 4 3, to be honest. Um, it's just not for me. But mm. yeah, yeah. Look, I always say of England, judge them at the tournament. Everything's a process to that stage, isn't it? But I thought they were decent against Belgium last night. I thought Belgium were. They had two moments, didn't they? They got fortunate. Two fortunate goals, really. Yeah. Lukaku had a decent chance as well. But, um, yeah, I love England, mate. You know that. Yeah, we know that. And you'll probably watch each game back about three or four times. Um, shall we just get on to it? Let's just get on to it, mate. Let's just, let's just, just get just, on to it. Okay. Uh, this West Brom ownership debate is not going away, is it? No, it's not going away. Um, it's not going away. That's probably a good way of putting it, actually. Um it's not going away. So, yeah, I'm going to have to be like, I might stumble across my words in, in this segment because it's difficult really to explain everything that's gone on. And um, uh, But look, what we do know um, for a fact is that um, there was, there's a, a business registrar called Orbis. Um, a globe, they're a global firm, very similar to Companies House in the UK, where they obviously um, publish information about businesses, who owns them, who's sort of their directors, etc., etc., etc. And recently, there was a change um, to the to who owned Albion. Um, it was it changed from Guac and Lai um, or Gauch and Lai. I think it's Guac and Lai, and that's the correct way of pronouncing it. To to Miss Yasha Gee. Um, uh, which was odd, there's no doubt about it, um, very, very peculiar, um, and questions needed to be asked. And I asked, and obviously another podcast asked, and, um, and yeah, we've sort of gone in two different paths of it since, really. And what we were both told by the club um, was that um, there's essentially nothing to see here. It's an, it's an administration error. Um, 300, all bases, the, the records of 375 million businesses 
and that Chinese business is very complex. That they they do things very differently in China. That's not to say it's wrong. It's different to what they're wrong for doing different ways. They just do things differently to what we do um, in China, and that's of course that is completely their right. And and we sort of, sort of wanted to do, look a little bit more into it, but 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 I was, I was sort of I, I, it's difficult. It's very very hard for me to talk about this because as I've, as I've said on the podcast in the past. I am looking into lie into other things, mm. um, things that I just and I know this is an absolute dreadful answer for this podcast and a dreadful thing to say at this moment in time. But things that just at this moment in time I can't talk about because I can't I can't say these things without really 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 backing them up. But what the things I'm looking into, lie is definitely owner. There's, he 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 he, there's, he would no, he would never not be owner of West Bromwich Albion in a million years. So mm. I, I was always coming from a point where. This is odd because of what I think I know about Lai, it wouldn't tally up if he wasn't owner. I'm sorry I can't be any clearer than that. I really, really am. Um, but hopefully one day I will be. And um, then that'll be a very interesting couple of stories and podcasts. But so I thought it was very strange. But so since then, what has happened is um, the issue has sort of remained in the public domain um, and more to sort of reassure people i've continued to look into it continue to do some digging and i managed to get some documents which proved that gauchin light does remain um albion owner mm. now it's important to stress that i think in my opinion and i do think this has somewhat gone gone under the radar um that with the greatest respect the the ownership of a football club is is a very very big deal like it's yeah. a huge it's a huge story so you can't a change of ownership will not happen under the radar football clubs are required to have who their owner is on their website they have to have that information now any change of ownership has to be registered with the premier league and it also has to be registered with independent auditors now none of that has happened so Albion's owner on their website is Guangxian Lai. There's been no change of ownership registered with the Premier League, although the Premier League don't comment on ownership, but there, there has been no change of ownership registered with the Premier League. So every, all the evidence stacks up against Orbis, if you like. Um, the, there is, there, the, only, the only indication that g is albion's owner is with orbis it's not coming from albion it's not coming from the premier league it's not coming from independent auditors and it's not coming from information that i'm digging out just in generally forget the documents i've seen that everything is saying lies owner Mm -hmm. bar this one document so i have then managed to obtain some documents by using my contacts um that has basically made me and look, everyone knows why. I think the vast majority of people who listen to this podcast know what I'm like as a journalist. I don't take many risks. No. Um, if ever, I'm probably the most overly cautious journalist out there. Um, and I can, I'll maybe perhaps, I'll, well, I will. I'll give you an example um, of that a little bit later on in this podcast. Um, but I'm very cautious. I can't remember where I was going there. What was I going to say? You're a very careful journalist. Yeah, see, yeah, sorry, that's right. So I wouldn't, I don't write those stories unless I'm, um, I'm 100% confident. If I'm being honest, I don't. Um, 
And people will know that with transfer stories. In the summer, they'll know that, look, John Percy isn't the best journalist at getting transfer stories in the Midlands. He's the best at getting transfer stories in the UK. He is he is fabulous. And he, he does beat me to an awful lot of transfer stories. But you know that, I think Albion fans listening to this know that a lot of names get out there every single window. But they know if I say it, there is genuine truth in it. Yeah. Um, Percy might be first of a lot of them, and he, he is, and he's absolutely fantastic. I, I, I do wish he'd move to London and, and leave leave the patch, if I'm honest, because he <laughs> does spank me like a lot of transfer windows. But he is the best in the country, so sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and go, do you know what? He is fabulous at his job. Um, but Albion fans know every single window they're linked with 40, 50, 60 names. But I only, but not, I only, only ever tweet about the ones that there's truth in. Mm. Um, and I think they know that. So I think they know where I come from and what I wouldn't write that story unless I was certain. Yeah. And I am, and I am certain. Um, so the issue seems to be now that, um, obviously, so from that, the issue is that I'm, I've seen these documents and other people haven't. Now, I've got to say, I think the only other people who deserve to see... Like, look, if you, want to dig, if you could dig them out, dig them out. Yeah. That's my point of view. I've dug them out. People like I've 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 seen these documents. I've used my journalistic skills to get them. It's fair game, really. Like I've done it. So I do think, and I have to say that the documents that I've seen could. It, I think that well, what I should say actually is I think that Lai is owner of West Bromwich Albion. He is mm. now shareholders for Albion who own twelve percent of the club. Lie owns 88%, shareholders for Albion own 12%, yeah. give or take a pointage of a percentage, but whatever, yeah. Um, I think they deserve reassurance that Lie is still the owner. I do believe that. Yeah. Hand on heart, I do believe it. I think if you're a stakeholder in the club, um, you do you do deserve that. And with, when, with all this speculation has mounted, if you're unsure about that, I think you deserve an answer to that. And I think in the... Uh, look, the issues between S4A and Albion are historic. They, there's always little things with them that uh, that have gone on way before I got this job and will probably go on way after I've got this job. There's always little sort of bickerings and issues and fallings out and, and odds and ends that happen all the time. But I think in the past, um, probably, if I'm being honest, when Mark Jenkins was at the club... There were little meetings of S4A, little talking points, little discussions where things like this, they would have been reassured. And just to clarify, S4A are that 12%. They're the, they're the shareholders. Yeah, they're the 12%. They, they represent the majority of shareholders who own 12%. Not every one of the shareholders who own in that, of the 12% that are in S4A, but the vast majority are. So I think, when, I think it's probably coincides with Mark Jenkins leaving, if I'm honest. And I think there would have been times when... Um, Jenkins would have got people in in a meeting mm-hmm. and just have said, look, between, look, you've got 12% in the club. Do you know what I mean? You own shares in this club. We don't want it here, there and everywhere. But this is what's happened. Um, and I think, by and large, those conversations used to appease an awful lot of people. Yeah. There was still, obviously, friction there. Um, but I think those meetings since Jenkins gone have gone by the wayside. Um, Ken seems quite an elusive chief executive, which, obviously... Um, Follows with lie because he's a very very elusive owner, um, but I think though, that's the issue for me, and that's where I think we can all agree is that I do think the stakeholders deserve to see that information. Mm. Um, I think I think it's unfortunate that that they haven't, and I think maybe 
well, I'd like to think that sort of common sense will prevail, really, and those sort of meetings will start up again. People will see the importance of, of those meetings because there's, we, this isn't good for anyone, really. Like this, this like I call it spec. I, I think it's incorrect speculation, and I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it's good for anyone, and I, and I think the quicker it's sort of the record set straight, the better, really. Um, what I would like to say is. There's some people on Twitter who seem to think that I've had I've had a few, I've had a few comments like literally like almost like the same tweet from different people where they said, "Oh, don't worry, Massey says it's fine. Massey says it's fine." Like sarcastically say, "I'm saying everything's okay because lies still owner." Yeah. Um, and that like, I mean, that is categorically not what I'm saying. What what I'm saying is that Yasha G is not West Brom's owner mm. and Guac and Lai is and remains so. I am not saying anything of the sort that everything is fine. I I genuinely, hand on heart, as I've said in this podcast before, believe there are some serious questions that Guac and Lai needs to answer. I think, first of all, I think the big question we need to know is his is his wealth, is is actually what he's worth. On on Twitter, I'm sorry, not on Twitter, on Wikipedia, it says that he's worth £2.8 billion. Um, that they've taken that figure, I think, from a story run, run once by the Birmingham Mail. Apologies if it wasn't the Birmingham Mail. I'm not, I'm not trying to damper on the Birmingham Mail at all. Um, but I'm pretty sure if you reference Wikipedia, I could double check now, actually, but I can't be bothered. I'll just apologise in case I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that... They somewhere have said that he was worth two point eight million billion pounds. Well, that is categorically wrong. For, Forbes um, recently issued a list of the, the four hundred wealthiest people in China, and Lai was not on that list. Mm. And it ended at people worth one point five billion. Who knows? He might be worth a billion quid. But Birmingham uh, Post, by the way. Oh, it was the Birmingham Post, was there? A report oh, well by the done. Birmingham Post, a conservative estimate of his total wealth put the figure at £2.8 billion. And a conservative estimate would, would mean that's the least that he's worth? Yeah, so he's definitely not worth that. He's definitely not worth £2.8 billion. Um, he's definitely, definitely not worth £1.5 because he wasn't on the Forbes Chinese rich list. Mm. So how much is he worth? We don't know. Like, I just don't, we don't know. And that is one of the things I'm trying to get to the bottom of. The other things we're trying to get to the bottom of, what, what, what are his long-term aims for the club? And what, what are his short-term aims for the club? It, short-term, is it for sale? Yes or no? We think it is. I think it's probably, we think he bought it for actually about 100, for doing a bit more digging over the last week or so compared to when we last spoke about this. I said, I've, it's been reported he bought it for around two hundred million pounds. I think he actually bought it for about one hundred and seventy-five million, mm. um, and I think that's why um, there has been a figure banded around of one hundred and seventy-five million that he'd be willing to accept. Um, which I'm sure um, that would essentially getting his money back, isn't it? So yeah. I'm sure he would. Um, but I think we need to know. His, I think we need to know his wealth. I think we need to know if the club's for sale, and I think we need to know what his long-term and short-term aims for the club are. Um, and I am very much of the lie out brigade. I don't think he's a very good owner. I really, really don't think he's. I, I, like we talked about before, we what you want owners like Aston Villa, don't you? Mm. You do. It's as simple as that. It's a type of owner you want. You want. I, I, if Albion go down this season, and I truly believe they can survive. But if they do go down, 
then I will. I, I believe it will be because Luke Dowling and Slavin Bilic have not truly been given the funds they needed. Um, so, yeah. So for, for anyone saying, I'm saying things are fine, you, they couldn't be more wrong. It tends to be people who use the upside down emoji face. Or, I love that emoji. <laughs> do you? Um, or people who horribly write with like one letter in lowercase and the next letter in caps lock. Oh, that, um, that old meme. Which I think is just, I hate that. I absolutely hate that. Um, uh, but yeah, apologies to people who use the upside down emoji face. Maybe that is just a fine thing. Um, <laughs> but there's no excuse for the lowercase, uppercase way of writing. I absolutely hate it. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying everything's fine at all. I'm saying I'm severely, I'm concerned. I am concerned about Gouch and Lai and the future of West Bromwich Albion. And I'm doing a lot, and I'm digging into it. But like, believe me, I am. All, all that story said um, was that Miss Yasha G is not Albion's owner and Gouch and Lai is. Um, that's all it said. That's it, because all you're doing there is reporting facts as well. And you're not saying whether these facts are necessarily good. You're not saying whether they're necessarily bad for the club. But it's your job to report the facts. It, do you want the truth, or do you want conjecture? That's my. That's that is exactly how I see it. That is exactly how I see it. There's a, there's conjecture out there. Personally, I think I've dismissed that conjecture. Um, so yeah, that's exactly that's exactly how I see it. And. Yeah, there's nothing to add to that, really. Like, I just think... But, yeah, but like, look, all I'm saying is, if anyone's listening to this and you don't believe me, that's absolutely fine. And you want to investigate Lai and G and whoever else you want to investigate that's connected to Albion, knock yourself out. Because I'm doing the same thing, but knock yourself out, go for it. All I'm saying is, it'll save you an awful lot of time if you just let go of G. <laughs> it really this, will. This is the thing with stories like this, though, because... You'll have people on Twitter saying, oh, well, can you prove it? Show us. And it's like, well, the first thing a journalist is never going to reveal their sources. It's just not not the way a journalist works. Otherwise, you would never see any stories printed from that source again if you're willing to to put their name out there. Um, And on top of that, when the transfer window rolls about, and let's say you report, you know, so-and-so, Albion are interested in so-and-so, right? You are either proven right or wrong in that transfer window a lot of the time uh, if you say Albion is set to sign so and so they'll either sign them or they won't and you'll be, you'll be right or wrong the issue now is a lot of fans because of the the, the lack of clarity around the situation and, and the fact that, that Lai and, and Ken don't really talk too much uh, or at all really it leaves it leaves it all shrouded in mystery and there's no real clarity for fans yeah, that's so true, and that's so that is it. It's there's there's bigger issues here, and that's what the point. Another point I'm trying to I wanted to make really. So yeah, thank you because because that is the issue. I mean, someone did make the point on Twitter whether Yasha G owns Albion or whether Gauch and Lai owns Albion. We've still got an anonymous Chinese owner. Yeah, like we've still got an owner that isn't interacting with fans, that isn't communicating long term aims, and isn't attending matches. Although. So, so, but, but yeah, I mean, look, as I've said, um, G is an owner. Believe me, don't believe me. Um, but I'm very, very confident that uh, soon Orbis will update their records and 
this will all prove to be a non-story all along, really. Um, but yeah, see what happens. My fingers across for your Twitter feed and your phone battery. Yeah, well, look, I'm not gonna, it's not going to be like, look, yeah, let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens. But uh, I think, like I said earlier, like I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a journalist that takes gambles, really. Um, and I, I think there'll be a segment how I can explain that later. But I'm going to just maybe just naturally let it flow into that. Oh right, okay. Because um, um, I'm sure it'll come up. If it doesn't, I'll, I might, I might shoehorn it in. Oh yeah, I'll trust you to do that, mate. Um, shall we get on to questions? Yes. Let's get on to questions. Uh, first one comes from a good friend of the podcast, Ronnie. Uh, where is your favourite holiday destination, Luke? And if Joe wants to participate, he can also answer. I think he understands that you don't like these kind of questions. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does, so you can answer. New York. New York's a great holiday destination. I've never been to New York. Oh, mate, you got to go. Absolutely amazing. The food is unbelievable. You get all four seasons. Because I, I, I enjoy that. I've I've been there when it's been warm and when it's been cold. I've been there in the snow, the sun. It's, it's great regardless, and there's so much stuff to do. You could go there a hundred times and still do something different every day. i got an answer. Have you? I have. Go on. And I'd like to quote a tweet from Alan for Newport SLP. Oh, I knew you were going to bring this up. Um, which Alan for Newport SLP could mean Alan for Newport Salop, which is a town I'm very fond of Newport in in Shropshire because I used to work there. Lovely little market town, absolutely beautiful, gorgeous church in the middle, really nice high street. One of those market towns that isn't dying because it's just quaint and pretty and it's got good schools and nice houses and it's yeah, it's just lovely. But sounds, really, sounds like a good 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 holiday destination. I won't go that far, but it was, it's a very, very enjoyable. It was a very, very enjoyable place to work. I worked on a Newport advertiser there for a couple of years, and I, and I, and I did. I genuinely loved it. Um, not a question, but would prefer to have potty time concentrated on Albion slash football chat, i.e., not wasted on what did your granny have for breakfast type chat. Sorry to be a grump, but I think it can devalue your informed content. Now I can't answer this without laughing, and I think people will think I'm being sarcastic. But Alan, I could not agree with you more. I am not joking. I am deadly serious. I agree. We need more Alans in the world. The only thing I'll say is. He does, in a other tweet, he does criticise Sam Johnston, which I'm not on board with. <laughs> but honestly, Alan, on this point, I agree. Who cares what we've had to eat? I genuinely... And I'm laughing because I feel bad saying it because we get a lot of food questions. But A lot of people care. Oh, Alan don't. might not. I'm, and I'll, I'll accept Alan's opinion. Fair play to you, Alan. You've, you've voiced your concerns. I'll, I'll, I'll take it on the chin. But in the same breath, we have about four or five people ask about food. I feel like me and Alan could go for a beer and talk about the Albion and it would be great. I could take Alan to a to a good restaurant and we could talk about food for an hour. I don't think Alan would want to go with you. Is there any good oh, is there any good restaurants in Newport? I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> God forbid he wins our fantasy Premier League to, uh, league. Yeah, so there's a nice uh, really yeah, a couple of nice restaurants in Newport, yeah. Alright, see so there we go. Um okay. Let's get Alan, some... reply to us. Do you want to go for a meal with me and Luke? Or do you want to just go with me? <laughs> I think I know the answer already. Uh, local Baggies fan, do you prefer journalism pre-social media or now? I'm asking from your point of view as a journalist and also as a reader. The discussion can be great, but it can also be pretty horrible. Also, for some, the quality can be low when more clicks equal money. Yeah. 
Yes, I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic question. That's a brilliant question. Um, it's a fantastic question and one I am... that is very hard to answer. Um, so on the one hand, I do love Twitter and I do really enjoy engaging with people on there and I think it does add a lot. Um, but on the other... People are just nasty. Behind they're a so, keyboard, they they can be cruel. So nasty. Like the the vast majority. I always I think like the ninety seven percent of comments I get on on Twitter are nice. I genuinely believe that. Like ninety five percent of Albion fans have been fantastic with me, and that's why one of the reasons why I enjoy the job so much and why I've like fallen in love with the club. But you get some absolute. Nobs, can I say that? Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Um, and not all of them, because one spring into mind that breaks this rule. Mm. But the vast, <laughs> <laughs> the vast majority, um, um, don't have their picture as their profile picture. Oh, that the what what used to be the egg. Or what used to be the egg and, and G-WBA hasn't so I'm not knocking that because he's one of my favourite people on Twitter I think he always talks a lot of sense but and they tend to have less than definitely definitely less than 30 followers oh those normally, ones who have like one follower normally and, less than 20 I'd say and it's like a random company that would never would never actually read your tweet um, it's just you tweeted about something and they thought oh yeah like gardening and you followed you followed by some garden centre yeah, it's normally it's normally they haven't got the like they haven't got their face there, and they've got less than twenty followers. They're the people um, that are the most sort of vicious and rude and a bit thick. Yeah, here's one, Joseph Massey underscore star. Ugh. Wait, I've got ten thousand. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you know what, like? I don't, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but like when I spoke to James Morrison about like things leaving football, and he talked about the pressures of the game and stuff, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I just can't imagine like running out at like Old Trafford in front of like eighty thousand people." And he was like, looked at me like, "No, that's not an issue. It's like the non-stop social media. Mm. It's the non-stop like barrage of." Either you're brilliant or you're dreadful, and there's no middle ground. Has anyone ever tweeted a footballer and said, "Thought you played all right today"? No one ever has. Yeah, it's, it's, it's either it's either top of the top of the top of the tower or or right at the bottom, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like it must be really hard to do. I think it's must because you can't ignore it. They're all, they're, they are human beings. Like if if. If I like going on Twitter and you like going on Twitter, then they're going to like it. They are just people at the end of the day. So I think it's not had a good impact really overall. I think the probably the negatives outweigh the positives. Well, the positives are strong. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because, I mean, as a resource and a tool, it's so, so useful. You can get so much information so quickly. Uh, and obviously you can interact with people and that's a great thing like especially in times like like now where you've not got that opportunity and you know at games there's no fans there fans will be using it more and more to try and just try, try and get a, a a vibe on like on the game and then obviously like the reaction to it 
you can get so much, but you can also it can also be so so harmful at the same time. Yeah, it's just yeah. I just think the like if you if if like the scale of the scale of good is like it can at best be good like six out of ten, but at worst it can be good like nine ten out of ten. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm. The the level of like the the level of highs don't match the level of lows. Clearly, you don't follow my Twitter feed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think it's a great question. It's a great question, and but I hate. I gotta be honest. I hate clickbait. Oh. I, I, I don't understand these sites that have managed to sort of are managing to make money from them. Um, You'll never guess which West Brom star is set to leave in January, and it's like I don't know. It's like one of the wonder of the under seventeen lads. And it's like, West yeah. Brom Stark, come on. Um, and it amazes me that there are websites that are not that are not news websites, that are not the Birmingham Mail, that are not the Express and Star, that are not actual established publications that are now making a living by running those headlines. And they go, like, into silly season in the transfer window. I mean, that's when... That's when it just ama- it does amaze me. It does amaze me. It does, sorry, I'm drifting. I'm rambling on and drifting <laughs> off the point. I think. I, I, um, fantastic question. And I, I need to honestly, maybe me. I think I reckon Alan would like this question. Maybe Alan would like this in depth chat. Maybe me, Alan, GWBA can go for a pint and talk about this. I was, why, why don't you just have them free on the podcast? Just, <laughs> get, just get rid of me, mate. I should advertise for a new host. You're right. What? <laughs> no. You've got your charm, haven't you? Well, I mean, according to you, probably not. <laughs> Next one comes from all Albion fans. Uh, with us having won three and drawn one of our last five trips to Old Trafford, along with being the only team to stop them winning at home in the league under Di Matteo, why do we? Th- why do you think certain teams seem to have a surprisingly good record against others? Is it more than a coincidence? It's a weird one, that, isn't it? Because United, I mean... But every team has a bogey team, don't they? And for United, it seems to be Albion. But at the, in the same breath, you know, none of this... would be a very small mem- number of this team who've played United in however many, you know, you know, however many games. You know, they won't, they won't look back at season five, six years ago when they beat them and said, oh, yeah, we can do that again. Because so, we probably weren't even at the club at that point. Yeah, I mean, I do. I do genuinely just believe it's pure coincidence. I've got to be honest. I just think it's pure chance. Everyone plays everyone so many times that I think anomalies will happen, and it just happens to be bogey teams. I don't really think. Is that a really bad answer and boring answer? I mean, I'm sure like they might like look at that record and go, "Oh yeah, they're they're, they're definitely beatable." Like that, we we beat like this club beat them before, but actually having an impact. I don't know about that. Maybe it does. Maybe people do think, oh, God, not so-and-so again. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I can't imagine Bruno Fernandes is bothered about playing West Germany. Bruno Fernandes is shaking in his boots. Because more than he would... I can't imagine for him playing against Southampton or West Brom is, much, is too different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so... I don't know, but let's, let's just hope it continues. I'll tell you what, he'll be shaking in his boots after Mateus Pereira runs rings around him. There you go. 
COVID-free Mateus. Yeah. yeah. Um, Paul Garber, that's actually a good little comment to lead us onto this one. What is the latest on the players that are self-isolating? Will they be available Saturday? Are there any more not yet publicised? Um, so, from what... I need to get it confirmed, but I think Callum Robinson can train on Thursday. Mm. But I do want to get it confirmed, so I'm not 100% sure on that, but... That looks basically from the 10 days from when he was tested positive. That did seem logical Thursday this week. Um, obviously, Ivanovic and Pereira will be way before then because mm. they were a lot earlier. Obviously, this all depends on how they are. Like, if, if they're well, if they're well, if they're all got mild symptoms or asymptomatic or whatever. Um, are there any more you're not yet publicised? Is an interesting question. The truth is one I wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, simply because... Um, old Slavin we saw him on the Friday before the Tottenham game um, and he was asked any injuries blah 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 and he was like oh how Robson Carr no Sanfield they'll be back after the international break um, but he obviously didn't say oh but we've got no Mateus or um, Ivanovic um, and they'd found out on Wednesday and that that's purely to try and that's just keep, to keep you not uh, to keep the, the other keep the opposition team. guessing, yeah. Um, so, yeah, unlikely to know, but from I mean, yeah, hopefully not. I mean, I feel like Albion have had their share, but but we'll see. I think I think they'll be. I think all th- all three of the ones. I think all three will be back for United. I've got question marks over that. You know, for you've got Callum Robinson going away, right, to play a friendly. An international friendly against England. Mm. I know it's a, I know it's a big game, England Ireland. But in this situation, do you really need international friendlies? It just raises, it just increases the risk, doesn't it? I got to be honest. Not many people love international football more than me, but I think even I would be willing to scrap it for now. Like even I'm not gonna like. I understand the Euro qualifiers, and I would never take away a moment. Like Scotland had, for example, you know they're, yeah. ma- they're making a European tournament for the first time since I was about seven years old or whatever it was, and like I would never take that moment away. Those are important games, but I'm not having the Nations League and I'm not having international friendlies right now. I think that's the fair, fair enough. Man. Just it just seems silly. You're flying all over the world. You've got you got players flying to blooming Israel. Um, I think it's Israel Scotland are playing next. You know you. It's just it's just a bit silly, but I mean I don't organise these things. You should. Cheers, mate. I might get paid a little bit more than I do to express the star, but yeah. Uh, Sunil Patel, uh, do you think the board's main concern is not that whether they should get rid of Slavon Bilic, but whether there is actually anyone out there who could do a better job with these players? Would they consider doing a more again and sacking him without a replacement? I think that would be. A bit silly. Um, I mean, that's another fantastic, another fantastic question. Um, and actually, it could actually, I could shoehorn my information in from earlier. So I shoehorn it in? Oh, go on. Um, so from what I understand, the Express and Star understands that um, there's been no contact between Albion and Lee Bowyer. That's absolute nonsense. Oh, thank God for that. Um, now... Before any one of the fan websites quotes me and does a story on it, 
Um, don't, because if I wanted the story out there, I'd have done it myself. Um, but I'm willing to share it on the podcast because I think most of our listeners are sensible and it'll allow me to follow an explanation, which is that I think Billich's position is safe to be honest and like I think I think the question marks will rise again after Sheffield United if 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 like Man United's a free hit at the end of the day yeah um like even if they are even if Albion are the bogey side we're not really expected to win at Old Trafford so obviously Sheffield United is a huge game um and I think that's when the issues like I said last week on the podcast there's going to be eyes and lows with Slavin and if if we do lose against Man United and Sheffield United I think that will then put his position back in the spotlight but I think he's fine till then at least and hopefully he wins at least one of those games and and we can all just sail off into the rest of the season but yeah so what I understand that's absolute nonsense um there's been contact with Lee Bowie I only understand it that's it's what I, I mean I would be willing to write a story on it but I'm not going to write a story on it, and the reason why I'm not going to write a story on it is because you don't. It's, it's not going to. It's not going to benefit anyone. Me to do that. If the if the Express and Star comes out and writes a story saying Lee Bowyer has not been contacted, um, then it looks like Albion on on the hunt for a new manager. Just because Lee Bowyer hasn't been doesn't mm. mean that and someone else hasn't been. No, I no I no I believe that they haven't contacted anyone. I, I but I don't understand that. I believe that for all I know. Lou Dowling's up and down the country all the time. He might have, he might have bumped into Pochettino in Acosta one day, purely randomly, and said, if Slavin leaves one day, do you fancy the Albion job? It's, it, it, it sounds ridiculous, but you never know, do you? So I, yeah. I can't sit here and say, categorically, Albion have not contacted 100% of the managers out there. If I could, then I probably would do the story, and it would be, Albion have not contacted Lee Bowyer, or anyone else for that matter. Um, but I don't know that, but I'm pretty sure they haven't. So... And this is what I talk about when I like when I talk about me as a journalist in terms of like the mirror have run that story. Well, the mirror have run that Albion have made contact with Lee Bowyer basically. And it's, mm. and, and look, it's only my understanding. Their understanding's obviously different, but but my understanding of it is it's not true. Um, and I just don't see how it benefits anyone really for the Express and Star to write that story. The mirror can say it, and that that that's that really. Um, National newspapers say what they say. Paper, one day's newspaper is another day's chip wrapper, really. And although that isn't quite true anymore because of, of the internet, but the bottom line is there's only four journalists in this country covering Albion at every game, mm. um, and that's me and that's Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday, Joe Chapman! Happy birthday, Chappers! You wonderful boy. Um, he's supposed to be my enemy, but he's just too nice. He, he is one of the nicest blokes you could ever meet. He's, he's just lovely. He's ridiculously friendly. He's overly friendly. I've told that to his face. He's the only person who's friendly. He's, he, I, I thought friendliness is to his detriment because basically if you go anywhere with Joe Chapman, allow an hour longer than you need because he will stop and have a chat with about seven different people on the way. He just can't help himself. He has to make friends with absolutely everybody. But he is that, that. I mean, how can you knock someone for that? He is just lovely. If you were to murder him, he—if you were to attempt to murder him—he'd probably tell you how to do it best. <laughs> but here you go, mate. I'll give you a hand. <laughs> He's that type of bloke. He's so friendly. He's so nice. Um, Steve Mayley, obviously brilliant at the Athletic. Great um, bloke. Absolutely fantastic. And then Rob Gurney, one of the best, just fantastic broadcaster. Fantastic. I wish I could ask questions like he does. He—he asks them so well. So. With only four people doing it, 
we are the only four journalists in the country that cover Albion every single week. So if we say things, it makes a diff- it, 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 it makes difference in my opinion. Um, so that's why I've not touched this Lee Barrier story. That's why I'm not whipping any. I'm not whipping anything up. Um, I'm not when there's a, when there's a, when there's a no story. It's not a story as far as I'm concerned. So you don't like. My boss always says to me. He doesn't like like if you'll notice so say like um, a transfer story for example a paper will run I don't know Albion want to sign think of a player think of a player think of a player can't think of a player Troy Deeney yeah okay the the I'll be told they don't want to sign Troy Deeney say but the back page of the Express and Star will never be Albion do not want to sign Troy Deeney that will mm. never be the lead story because my boss quite rightly will say. I don't want to know who they're not going to sign. I want to know who they are going to sign. Yeah. They're not going to sign Messi. They're not going to sign Griezmann. They're not going to sign Pogma. Tell me someone who they are going to sign. Um, so, and I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to, I don't really want to pander to the mirror's incorrect story, really, um, and do a story saying there's been no contact with Lee Boyer, Cause, But there we go. So that's my shoehorning in information. Do you see what I've done there? Because it is a manager question. It is I, a manager question. I enjoyed it. Um, are there any managers that see? This is the thing. This is. I just don't know who's who. Who, who you could expect to do a better job than Slaven on on two grounds. One, I genuinely think Slaven's an amazing manager. I think he's, he's had a massive, massive, massive turnaround of players over the last eighteen months at Albion. He got them promoted at the first attempt, a year ahead of schedule, playing. The first 21 games of last season were breathtaking. Albion didn't lose for 21 games in the Championship. That's amazing. All because of Slavin. Mm. So I think he's an amazing manager. A genuine, he's a, his record in the Premier League is very, very good. Who is better than him, really? Is he the best manager in the world? No, he's not. You could definitely make a case for Pep, Jose, whoever, Klopp, Allegri, blah, 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 blah. Are they really going to get anyone better than Slavin? I just don't see it. Mm. Um, I do not see it. That's um, it, because you could look... I mean, don't get, like, if they lose the next five games in Albion, then they, they might be forced into a position where they, they, they say, well, things aren't working. And But who are you going to look to get? I mean, like you can say, oh, we need a firefighter, you know, someone like a Big Sam, but... I mean, we mentioned this before. You don't really want to be going down that route, do you? I think it's, it's going to do more harm than good at the moment. Um, and obviously things can change in football. Things can change. They, can, they always can. Um, but I, I think, for, for me anyway, I've always been a supporter of, of keeping a hold of a manager because a lot. Of, I'm not saying all the time it works, but Bilic played such an integral role in getting them up. I feel like he's, he deserves a fair shout at keeping him up. And if you're going to make that decision now or in the next couple of weeks, it makes no sense to me. Um, but that's just my thought on it. Uh, the second part of Sunil's question should just be, though, that he did say, would they consider doing a more again and sacking him without a replacement? And you see, I think, I think while there is animosity between the board and Slaven, as we know with the Hagazi incident, I do think they appreciate what a good job he's done. I do think they are reluctant to sack him. Hopefully, the tensions are easing now. 
Agazi's been gone a while. Um, he's tweeting pictures of him looking happy at Aletiad and this, that, and the other. So it's just my only worry would be that relationship in terms of in terms of that element of the question. Would they consider doing a more again and sacking them without a replacement? That'd be my if it just got a bit frictitious again and the and the relationship broke down again. Then you'd perhaps wonder. Um, but yeah, could there be like a bit of a knee jerk? A knee jerk, yeah. Um, but I think, as I said before, Slavin's a big boy. Luke's a big boy. Football's not a very nice world, really. Like, it's a bit like backstabby, and people who are in football know that it's it's not a Disney film. Mm. Um, and I, they're all men, and I think they can all crack on. To be honest, I don't think anything's happened that is so bad that. Do you know what I mean? As I said before, riffs riffs happen very quickly in football and they heal very quickly in football. They heal very, very quickly with results. Mm. Um, and that's where we are at now, I think, with Slavin. It's results, isn't it? Yeah. Like um, you said, they're all they're all grown ups. They're both they're they're both in very high stress positions. Uh and it can happen. I mean, don't tell me that anyone who's I mean, even even at our workplace there are times when, you know, you're under a bit of stress. And, you know, there can be friction between people, but it's all professional, none of it's personal. Um, but me and you have never had any pressure, mate, friction, mate. We haven't, mate. Not that I know of, anyway. We're kindred spirits. <laughs> I don't really know what that means. <laughs> we share the same values and beliefs. <laughs> we are two lefties, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We are. Yeah. Um, next question comes from Jack Eustace. Love the podcast, Joe. Not Luke, for some reason. Just said Joe. <gasps> Uh, cheers for that, Jack. Um, with us paying five at the back, it looks like we're low on centre-backs, particularly as Bilic doesn't seem to rate Kipra. Is this position now higher up on the transfer agenda for January? And the same goes for right wing-backs. Um, that's a good qu- so, mm, it's a good question, that, because I was given the nod that Ivanovic was primarily signed to play in a three. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Yeah. So I think a three has always been, if not plan A, it's been a very very strong plan B this season. Yeah. Um. Um. Hang on. Uh, bear with me because I'm getting messages galore from. So busy. From hang on. Just put. Hang on, I'll just reply. I know this is dreadful. This is terrible. In the middle of a podcast. Um, right, I'm back. Um, yeah, so we've got Ivanovic, O'Shea, Ajay, Bartley, Bartley, and Kipra. Five into three. I'd say is probably fair enough. It's if you got one injury, you've still got cover on the bench, haven't you? Um, I'd I'd want one more personally, um, and obviously Slavin wanted to keep Agazi. We all know that, so yeah. I think there's enough. I personally think there's enough, um, just enough. Um, the big issue is right wing back for me. That's a much more pressing issue. Um, I have to say, I think Darnell Furlong has been fantastic whenever he's played there this season. I think he he looks really good at wing back. Mm. Um, he Perfect got, mould for a wing back, isn't he? 
he's a per he's got a hell of a leap on him. He jumps so high and it's a real tactic Albion use. Like Johnson kicks it out to that right flank and he can always rise higher than whoever he's up against. So he can flick the ball on. Some of the pictures don't look real. He's brilliant, isn't he, at that? It's amazing. I'd say um, I'd love to. I'd, I mean, I play basketball. I'd love to get him on a basketball court. Um. So, yeah, I think I'm. I love Darroche. Everyone knows that. I think he's got a massive future. I really like him in the in the back three because I think his diagonal balls are, add a lot to the team. I I just personally don't think it. I thought he was fantastic in the championship at right back. I think he's got a way to go at the Premier League to play at right back. Mm. Um. So, to me, if Furlong gets injured, there's a problem there. Yeah. Um, you, could right maybe, back, you could maybe play Matt Phillips there. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's, he'd be on the bench as cover for, he'd be like, oh, he's second right wing back. But, I mean, he could do the job. Yeah, you could get away with him maybe as a as a stopgap. Um, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think you can get away with some of the bats. I think right back's an issue. Mm. We'll see. It come January, won't we? Um, Chris Adams, have have you got the new football manager yet? If so, how are you liking it? I think it's a big improvement on last year's. I I'm. I'm I'm actually waiting for the version to come out on console because it's actually yeah, coming out on the new Xbox. Weird idea. Weird. You have to be weird to play Football Manager on a console. Oh no, but I've got friends who play it as well, so we're all gonna get it. Hmm. I find it odd. Find it odd on a console. Um. But thanks. I haven't got it. I buy it every two years. I'm quite. He's. But that tweet has really. Sorry. What What was the lad's name you asked? Uh, Chris Adams. Chris, sorry, he's, that's, it's annoyed me because now I really want a new one. Just I just it, assumed man. it wouldn't be that different, but the fact he's saying it's a big improvement does re- does really make me want it. I might get it for you for Christmas, mate. Oh, thanks, mate. I got you a hat last year. You did, yeah. So I might get you. Yeah, I might get it. I might get you this year. Depends what the money situation's like. I can hear Alan groaning. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next one comes from Anthony. Uh, with Robinson missing a considerable amount of training and Pereira being back, do you imagine that we will stick with the same formation as Spurs with Pereira replacing Robinson in that second forward role or do you think we will change shape to accommodate Pereira? Yeah, good, qu- <sighs> good question. A lot of good questions this week. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. I do really, I really wonder. Uh, I, look, I think I think he might stick with it, and I think he might do that. You know, I think he might put Pereira behind Carlin Grant. I suppose the question is, how much fitness does a player lose being out for ten days? Yeah, I mean, he will work at home. Callum Robinson will work at home. Um, this is obviously if he's feeling well, which I think I've, I'm, I'm pretty sure he is. According according to the initial statement from the Republic of Ireland, when they announced that a player had COVID, they hadn't revealed who it was yet. He said he was asymptomatic and feeling fine. Yeah, I think he's. Um, yeah, I think he's fine. Um, so, yeah, look, I look. 
said it in the podcast last week. I'm a big fan of the three-five-two. I thought it really, really worked. Slavin was it? Slavin was a bit dismissive of of it in terms of he was asked, "Were you so much more solid?" And I, I asked him actually because uh, it, it, it was aggression, wasn't it, at Fulham? They, they mm. just weren't aggressive. They were. That they were too easy to be. Once that second Fulham goal went in, which was a worldie, yeah. um, but it was like it was game over really. Um, and I did say to him, like, "Do you think the formation was why you were more aggressive?" And he was a bit like, "No." And he thought that it starts with other things really, which it probably does. Like you can still play very aggressive in a four-three-three or whatever formation really. But like I said last week, I really think. I think Albion are too easy to play against and I think there are question marks over just how many players are good enough for the Premier League. So I think if you've got three centre-backs and three central midfielders, I do think that shores you up um, and makes you harder to break down, which is you have to be hard to beat if you're going to stay in the Premier League. You just have to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would go 3-5-2. I'd hope Bilic will go 3-5-2. Willie, I honestly don't know. Um, he surprises I think he's quite surprising with his selections I think Callum Robson bizarrely has been in this position once before where he obviously was in contact with someone who had COVID yeah that day yeah I think he only got to train once that day before the game this time I think he should get to train twice um whether or not that makes a difference. But he didn't he didn't get to start that time around. Carlin Grant came straight into the team as Carlin Grant's first game um, so you'd, um, history would suggest Robinson's going to have to settle for a place on the bench um, so I think maybe three five two Pereira off Grant I can see that mm. um, I'd like to see I'd like to see what Pereira could do in that yeah position. I'd like to see it as well but that said I do, th- I do think Robinson was fantastic against Tottenham and yeah. deserves his place uh, Joshua Jay with Burnley and Derby both reportedly close to takeovers why is making West Bromwich Albion a less attractive proposition uh, do you know how much Burnley are supposedly being bought for not a clue uh, I think money would play a part you've it's it's oh it's 200 million. Oh, is it yeah I, I, I must admit I look at Maybe that buyer is potentially looking at Burnley and thinking, oh, you know, they've been in the Premier League X amount of years in a row. They're maybe more secure. But for Derby, you look at Derby, they're rock bottom of the Championship right now, aren't they? Derby's 60 million. I mean, yeah, you're talking much, much less money. I suppose they've got a a newish ground. Big club, Derby. Yeah. Um... For sixty million quid, if 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 Albion, uh, if Albion were up for sixty million, I tell you what, someone would probably. Go oh god! If Albion were up for sixty million, Derby were up for sixty million. You buy Albion, but if Albion were up for one hundred seventy-five million and Derby were up for sixty million, I think I'd probably buy Derby. Yeah. Um, and keep one hundred fifteen million quid in my back pocket. Like I think that would be. I can understand why they're a more attractive. I can't. I don't. I'm not really sure why Burnley would be. I, I'd like to know. I, I mean, I haven't. I haven't researched it. I wonder who the prospective buyer is because if they're from the local area or they're, no, they're connect- Egyptian, they're Egyptian. Yeah. Then it makes absolutely zero sense why you would pick Burnley <laughs> over Albion. To be honest, if anything, you'd pick Albion when they had Amadagazi there. Yeah. 
I don't I honestly don't know. To me, I, I hope, like, and there's not going to be any Burnley fans listening to this, but I hope they don't. This isn't meant disrespectfully, but to me, Sean Dyche is so integrated in that club. To me, I mean, obviously the Lancashire clubs, but to me, Burnley losing Dyche would be similar to Bolton losing Allardyce. Yeah. I, I don't see... It'd I genuinely just, think you, he you, is... You couldn't give them another manager and he couldn't, he couldn't do a better job with the team he's got. I, th- I, think, I don't think so. I, I think everything Burnley have built is because of Sean Dyche, really. If Pep Guardiola is in charge of Burnley, I don't think they stay up. Yeah, yeah. I think they're in real trouble when he leaves. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Be in- it's an interesting one, isn't it? Though? Um, oh, this is an interesting question. We'll have one more after this. Yeah. Hang because... on, we're, on, we're almost at an hour here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. really quick with this one. I don't know whether you'll like it, to be honest. Leo Watkins, out of curiosity, Joe, if you don't mind, where does the surname Massey originate from? I haven't heard it before. Um, that's Italian. Italy. There you mm. go. Uh, and last one comes from Graham Johnny. Um, how many of our players would you say belong at Premier League level and who? Ah. I'm not saying that. Oh. Right an hour. Okay. Uh, um, Alright, another one. E.T. White, what happened to the Ferguson Tribunal? There you go. I don't know. <laughs> Waiting to find out. Emailed the FA to ask about it and they turned around and said it isn't a matter for us, it's a matter for the Premier League, which surprised me. Um, so I've I bet the Premier League will tell you it's a matter for the FA. Um, so I've since emailed the Premier League. Um, I've, I, what I've emailed them is, can you just explain why it takes so long? I'm not. I, there's not been a look. I, there's not been a date set because I'm sure if there was, we'd know about it. It would be quite easy to find that information out. So I'm not. I, I mean, I'm pretty happy to sit here and say there's not been a date set. What I want to know now is why there hasn't been. I just don't quite understand why these things take so long. Talked about it last week. It just seems like. I still think these situations could be resolved in a day. Surely. You get a table. It can't be that hard. At 9am and you say, you're not leaving until this is agreed. They get out by five. Easy. But obviously it's pressing for Albion because we know that they had a 20 million budget. They know that money's gone. and They could really do with that by January. They could really do with it by January, yeah. So that's what I've asked. So basically, I've lodged a request for the Premier League to ask. Not I have asked when, is there a date? But I thoroughly expect them to come back and say no date has been set yet. But my main question is, can you please explain why these things take so long? Because I just genuinely want to know the answer. I can't really work out why. My only inkling is that maybe both sides don't want it to go to a tribunal. Yeah. Maybe so, Albion will look at it and say, well, we'd agreed a fee before, why don't you just pay the fee that you originally agreed? And Palace will be like, look, we don't want to go to Albion case, in case they say, well, this was the fee you agreed before. Yeah. So maybe the, but too, so the, maybe they just talk amongst themselves. Albion probably thinking we want it done before January. Palace might be thinking, we're scared of it going to tribunal and them saying we have to spend 11 million quid again for a player who hasn't played yet. And one is, I mean, he's been out a long old while now. Yeah. I mean, so, that that knee issue, I mean, originally Albion weren't too worried about it. 
But I tell you what, he's been. I mean, when did he go out? It was what just before the new year. It was like he played at Cardiff, didn't they? And then the next day, it was all came what, what, out. That... What month was that in? Oh God knows. You're talking like it's, I, I mean, I'm. Pr- I wouldn't be surprised if it's close to a year. Yes, yeah, it will be about a year. It was it was a cold night in Cardiff. I remember that. And Dar Roche became Albion's sort of right back last season, towards late January. Um, and obviously the first games in January, are like FA Cup, aren't they? Like there was Charlton and stuff. So it is about a year. It's not I'm far off a year. For origin, for a problem that wasn't originally. I mean, that thought that big a deal. It was a problem he played with. He played in that Cardiff game and played pre- predominantly a lot of games with this issue. But yeah, it's a really odd one. Um, but yeah, request lodged anyway. All right, okay. We'll find out one day. Uh, right, okay. Manu versus West Brom. Let's finish with a very quick preview. Um, bit of a free hit, you said. I, I tend to agree with you there because despite Man United's position in the table... You look at the money they've spent and you look at the players they've got. Uh, I mean, you'd imagine that Man U, Man U should be winning that game. But, I mean, United, as I said, Albion enjoy playing there. You never know what could happen. Yeah, exactly. You never know what could happen. It feels like it does... I mean, I sort of dismissed the bogey team thing earlier, but it does feel like there's just something about the fixture. Um, it, it feels like Albion can get a result there, basically. And, and look... They can. They seem to rise to these. Look, arguably two of their best performances this season have been against Chelsea and Tottenham, who mm. probably are going to finish above United this season. Fair comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Um, so they've got to take heart from that. Um, the biggest thing for me is, look. Let's be brutally honest. If if it comes down to quality, it's only going to be one winner. Mm. Um, I mean, they've got Paul Pogba on the bench. Exactly. I mean, look, they got look, they got fantastic. Fernandez is fantastic. He's been an incredible signing. Rashford, obviously, brilliant. Martial, like, I mean, Harry Maguire is the most expensive defender in the world. Somehow, um, Wambasaka is a great right back. Like, they got Edison Cavani, like, just kicking around. Uh, they've like, got like, yeah, they've got like two first team goalkeepers. Just one of them always kicking their heels. You got De Gea and Dean Henderson. Um. So, I mean, it's mental. Um, but, but look, I'm not having Solskjaer as Man United manager. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that he is their manager, to be honest. I don't see how you can have a manager of Man United that you wouldn't, if you supported Nottingham Forest, you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want him to be not your manager if you were a Nottingham Forest fan. I mean, he was so, sacked from Cardiff. I don't see how any manager like that can be manager of Man United. So, and look, there's inkling to come out of the camp, isn't there? There's, you hear stories about Bruno Fernandes not being impressed with Solskjaer. And just give it potch. Just, I mean, it's ridiculous I'm giving it to him. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so that's the thing. Look, they haven't won at home, have they, this season? No. They, they, one thing that I will say for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is that he knows how to make a team counter-attack, but it's Manchester United. You can't be counter-attacking. That's true, yeah. Um, Which is probably why they're not winning at home. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so it feels like they can get Albin and get a result. It really, really does. It really, it really does. I mean, look, like I said, if the if the big players turn it on, if Albin's big players have a great day and Man United's big players have a great day, then it's probably going to be Man United that win the game, but. I mean, my God, they're not Man United of old, are they? Nah. They've fallen a long way from that pedestal. So, 
Yeah. How would you uh, how would you go? How would you set Albin up? Oh well I've always said like three five two. Um Pereira in for Robinson. So I just I'm gonna go for it, mate. I'm gonna go Pereira in for Kravinovic. Really? Which is I do really like Philip Kravinovic. Like to break my heart a little bit. Um but I'll stick him in the three. I want Robinson to play. I really yeah. want Robinson to play. I thought he was fantastic against Tottenham. Um, yeah, that'll do for me. Um, Any other changes? I'd go Vanovic for Bartley. So I'd okay. have John, Johnston, a back three of Ajay, Ivanovic, O'Shea, Furlong one side, Towns in the other. Still no Gibbs. It's a difficult one, that. It's a really difficult one. I, I probably do think Kieran Gibbs is a better player. And what frustrates me the most is is combinate defensively I think they're on par really Connor Townsend's a much better crosser of the ball he's by far the best crosser of the ball in the squad I think um, and he should be taking corners it annoys the hell out of me he's not taking corners um, but Gibbs' intricate play is better yeah for 44 minutes at Everton him and Dean Garner linked up beautifully Um and then it obviously all went to part. So, but if, if, if there's no Grady in the team, if he's not playing with a winger, then you, obviously that doesn't really matter so much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Townsend for me. Um, and then Livermore, Gallagher, who's fantastic. Oh, he's been brilliant, hasn't he? What a signing. Pereira, Robinson, Grant. Good team, that. Decent. I'll I, I tell you what, I might put him in my accumulator. Oh, yeah. I might do that. I could I could see it. They're 10 An- to 1 to win, you know, West Brom. Another Amalfitano moment. 10 to 1 with this bookie that's flashed up on my screen. Alright, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, that's going to help my accumulator plenty. There you go. Uh, right, that just about does us, Joe. Unless you've got anything else to add. Ah, uh, no, mate. All good. All good. All, All good. good. Right, there you go. One hour, six minutes or so of Baggy's chit chat for you we'll be back we're getting closer to that hour we're getting closer to that hour I want to get it down to an hour for people who don't know I want to get it down to an hour let us know do you want it an hour or do you like it a little bit longer and with Um, more people like Alan we can do it (laughs) alright okay from me I think Alan thinks I'm taking a mic I'm genuinely not I'm proper on board with Alan you love Alan I love Alan yeah alright okay from me from Joe from Alan Farewell. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>